Hi, everyone. Welcome to Better Hiring, a podcast by Workable. As a marketing manager at Workable, if there was one thing I had to choose as my absolute favorite part of my job, it would be learning from the folks who are challenging the status quo and moving the recruitment industry forward. That's why we're here today. This podcast is a space for the leaders who are driving this progress to share their real, honest experiences in overcoming challenges and moving the hiring industry forward. And of course, to bring you the latest tips, trends, and strategies to help you find a path to better hiring. I think we can all agree there's a ton of evidence out there to show that DEI efforts in an organization have a real impact on the bottom line. For example, a recent study by McKinsey & Company shows ethnically diverse companies are 35% more likely to yield higher revenue. But even with proven data like this, it can be difficult to know where to start. That's why I'm again sitting down with Bajani Cadet, LEK Consulting's Diversity Recruitment and Engagement Lead, for a full episode on actionable ways for you to start and succeed in your diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. Let's jump in. My name is Carolyn, and I head up events over at Workable, and I'm joined today virtually by Fajani Cadet, Diversity and Recruitment and Engagement Lead at LEK Consulting. And for the next 25 minutes, I'm going to have a chat with her, and she's going to help us learn how to build up our diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. And there's certainly been a lot of movement in this area recently due to today's current social and political climate, specifically the Buck Lives Matter movement. And this has led to many companies standing up and taking action. And in this session, we're going to focus on what that action should look like and how we can foster a sustainable, inclusive, and safe environment where everyone can bring their full selves to work. Um, So here is our agenda for the session. Uh, First, um, Fajani is going to quickly break down DEI for us. And next, we'll talk about how to approach DEI, particularly in today's social climate. Um, And then we'll look into some hot tips for taking action right now. And finally, um, we'll get some parting advice before we go. Um, Fajani, could you please go ahead and tell us a bit more about yourself, um, your role, and what specifically interests you in DEI and recruitment and HR? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Welcome, everyone, and thank you again for joining us. Um, As Caroline mentioned, my name is Fajani Cadet, and I am the Diversity Recruitment and Engagement Lead at LEK Consulting. Um, And so in terms of sort of my background, I have a background as an HR generalist and um, talent project manager. Um, So my roles um, and responsibilities have been around leading high-impact projects and supporting change management across different HR functions, so everything from talent management Um, to talent operations, talent acquisition, um, and of course, diversity, equity, and inclusion um, initiatives as well. In terms of sort of my interest in diversity recruitment specifically, I think what really resonates with me is that it's at the beginning of the employee life cycle, right? Like this is where the journey begins. And so really thinking about the top of that journey, how are we creating inclusive hiring practices, what are we looking for? What have we communicated outwardly, externally around um, the types of experience and, and perspectives and backgrounds that we value? How are we communicating that? But then also, how are we going about um, in creating programming and, and policies and practices to, to support that? Um, and so I love that it's the, be, it's the beginning of the employee life cycle. It's the beginning of the journey. 
and and that's really where sort of my my interest and desire to to kind of support these initiatives really stems from. Yeah, thank you for giving us that quick introduction. It's wonderful, and I think that DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion, these are not just buzzwords. Um, it would be great if you could just quickly to start us off break down what DEI really means. I think it's really important to understand that there's clear distinction between these terms, right? We say DEI, EDI um, altogether, but they do have very distinct um, sort of roles and definitions and work collaboratively to truly create the optimal environment in terms of what we're looking for, uh, an inclusive workplace, a diverse workplace. So we'll start with diversity first. So when we think about diversity, diversity is uh, representation. So representation of varied identities, and that includes both the physical and the intellectual as well, right? So we're talking about ability, race, and ethnicity, gender, gender expression, or uh, sexual orientation. But then there's also education, socioeconomic class, um, you know, intellectual ability, um, perspectives, and experiences. Uh, so that's really what diversity is around. It's around um, representation of differences, both physical um, and otherwise. And then when we move on to equity, that's really around, um, is there equal access to resources and opportunities in our organizations? Is there fair treatment um, and consistent treatment across the board? Equity is really focused on making sure that we're leveling the playing field. And so we're not just bringing diverse people to, to our environments, but that once they're there, we're ensuring that they have equal access to opportunities and we're treating them um, the same or the same, but making adjustments based on our understanding of what their needs, their diverse needs are. are. Um, that's really important. And then there's the inclusion piece, which is around recognizing, valuing, and celebrating those differences, right? So do your employees feel that sense of belonging and, and inclusion and being included? Are they invited and are we inviting people to actively participate and contribute, um, be their full authentic selves um, and have that be recognized and celebrated and rewarded um, internally? And so those are the, those are the three sort of definitions of those terms often used together, but that's because I think when we're talking about truly creating those environments that are optimal, we have to ensure that we are addressing all three of those pieces um, and doing so distinctly. I think that really brings us to that next point, which um, when we're thinking about you know, those three pieces, how they're fitting in today's social climate. So a lot of companies are taking action and they're speaking up right now. What is it, what are your thoughts about this? And, you know, how are these three pieces fitting into that? Is there something missing? Is this the kind of progress we're looking for? It's great for organizations to take a stand. Um, we want to see that um, employees, your employees, specifically um, those from, you know, underrepresented or historically underserved communities want to know that you acknowledge what's happening, you understand what's happening, and that you care about what's happening. So I think taking a stand is very important and valued, um, but I think to an extent, right? Because also, um, more importantly, are you taking a stand internally? So it's great to do that externally, but what are you doing to reflect that internally? Have you communicated to your employees what you're going to do. So there's a messaging that's going out to the press, but what message has gone out to your employees? And then is there follow-up and follow-through? 
So thinking about have you created safe spaces for your black and brown employees to discuss what's been going on? And have you considered the impact on their psychological capacity and what that means for your employees of color at work and levels of engagement and then how that impacts business and output? Right. So when you think about um, the, the three sort of key factors or driving factors of engagement, you have, you know, psychological meaningfulness. Is the work meaningful and do employees and staff feel connected to the work that they're doing? Um, there's psychological, um, you know, av availability and psychological safety specifically. Right. Do they feel safe? Um, and, uh, you know, invited to, to participate and contribute without fear of negative con consequences. And then lastly, I think it's that psychological availability or capacity piece um, and thinking about when these things are going on, you know, what are our employees coming to work with? You know, what is that load? Um, and do they have the psychological availability to fully contribute and engage in the way that they typically are? Um, and are we being conscious of that? Are we bringing, um, are we acknowledging our awareness of what that can be? And are we creating, to my earlier point, you know, safe spaces for employees to discuss what's going on, but also maybe if not discuss, take a step back um, as well. So I think, you know, it's great to take, again, a public stance, but more importantly, what kind of stand are you taking internally? And then are you then following up and following through um, as it relates to that? So when we're kind of, you know, creating that, that safe space, I, I know that you know there's a ton that goes in, you know, from that, that first point where the entry point of the recruiting process. So I'd love to kind of break down um, all of this from sourcing all the way to looking at your workforce and creating that uh, safe space. Mm -hmm. uh, but first, I think it makes a lot of sense to talk about getting buy-in because yeah. as much as we know it makes sense to begin these DNI initiatives and it's important for the organization. We unfortunately can't exactly go to our leadership board and say it's socially important and we need to get the resources to do this. What should we do uh, to you know, look at ourselves internally and make that business case for DEI in an organization? So I think, you know, for those leaders, HR partners or DEI practitioners um, internally right now who are looking to really uh, ignite, um, you know, uh, strategic um, diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives internally. We're in a unique spot now because there are so many resources out there um, and a lot of research, um, reputable research from different um, firms and organizations, consultancies that really support the business case for this work. Um, so I think step one is to leverage those resources that already exist. Um, I think we're in a good we're in a a good place now where we don't necessarily have to reinvent the wheel or start from scratch. People are you know pulling in the data from McKinsey or the Harvard Business Review around the the impacts of diversity um, at, at work. Right, we know that those organizations who have diverse teams um, come up with the the most innovative um, ideas that they are performing better that they are. Um, having higher or reaping higher profits and revenues. Um, so I think leveraging those resources and really using um, what exists to build the case. But then I think also surveying your employees or um, your employee base, the staff. It's really 
easy to start with here are the here's the facts here's the data and here's the numbers from you know best practices and what other organizations have seen but i also think it's really important and key an integral piece to, to solidifying that business case is tying it back to um, your people and what the impact can be on where you are today and so whether that's um, you know partnering with an organization to facilitate um, a diversity and inclusion survey internally to really um, look at attitudinal points um, to assess you know um, feelings and perceptions of inclusion and belonging um, of fairness um, of the what is the perception of leadership and the firm's commitment to diversity and if through surveys. Uh, another way that you can do that is through focus groups as well. Um, and so if you're not in, you know, a stage where you can bring in third parties, thinking about um, facilitating those internally. So again, leveraging the resources that exist to identify what are the right questions that we need to be asking, and then facilitating small focus groups um, across the organization. I think it's, of course, it's key and important that if you're going with that, um, through that route, to ensure that you're offering the opportunity to participate to all employees um, and then facilitating those those smaller group discussions and identifying key themes right um so it's of course important to remember that these these conversations to a certain extent have to be confidential um that we're not looking to identify who said what and when but really highlighting what are those reoccurring themes what are those messages um, that that's employees feel that they're constantly hearing? What sorts of experiences and backgrounds or behaviors are we constantly rewarding? Um, where do employees feel that we're, we're not providing the, the best resources or are there missed opportunities for professional development? And then what, after we capture that data, stacking that against the demographic data of our employee base um, and seeing are there huge alarming messages that we can't ignore as it relates to particular groups of employees um, and, and their, their, their feedback around, around these topic areas? So I think the, the two things, if I want to tie all of that, all of that wordiness together, it's doing the research that already, or pulling together the research that already exists around the performance and the impact of diverse and inclusive um, work, diverse teams and inclusive work environments, and then tying that to the attitudes, perceptions, and messages um, that you're hearing from your current employee base and saying, here's what other teams are experiencing. Here's some proof or data that we can really address. And then here's what the impact of that data can be in an ideal state. Here's where we will be. So I think that those are sort of my, my thoughts around really putting together an effective um, business case to, to start to move the needle on some of these things. That's so great. Those three pieces are also important. Just, I mean, one, looking at the data that is out there. And then, yes, looking internally, I think it's such an important step to ask your employees how are they feeling, what's happening, what is their perception Absolutely. of the organization. It's such a important place to start and I think it just speaks volumes and it's something the leadership team 
can't ignore, especially coupled with the data of what your organization looks like. So wonderful. That is an awesome place to start. And then kind of jumping into the pieces of the recruitment process all the way mm-hmm. into when they're hired in the workforce. Yep. Um, I think sourcing at the start is a good place to start. So could you tell us a little bit about how can we get out there and source more diverse candidates from the start? I think the first piece before sourcing is to identify what diversity means within your organization as well. Looking at your employee demographic from, you know, the, an extremely high level, um, but then also looking at the different departments and different teams as well to see what are the priorities, right? Like where are there clearly opportunity areas and then identifying where do we prioritize? What, is diverse, what do diverse candidates look like based on what our makeup is? So I think that that's truly step one. And then once you've done that, then thinking about, okay, what have we done historically? So really doing uh, an audit of where you typically find source employees, source candidates, excuse me, what is the typical process? Who do we usually move along in the process? Who do we typically reject? And then how do those folks that we do um, bring in end up, you know, uh, performing, right? And how does that, uh, is it consistent with what our expectations typically are? But I think that there's a lot of things that you can do to, to really start that, that sourcing process. And the first is to think about what are you looking for, right? And so I think a lot of times organizations, we start with what we think success looks like for a particular role. But I do think to my point around looking at what currently exists, and doing an audit of the data, identifying what are those experiences um, that, that where folks are typically really successful, what sorts of backgrounds, um, and has that been proven to be true? Um, so I think really identifying what are the core competencies, what are the experiences, what are the transferable skills that are really important to us, and making sure that we're highlighting those and making sure that we're training all of our hiring managers and recruiters, everyone who is a part of that recruiting process and part of that decision-making, making sure that they are, we're articulating what we're looking for very clearly um, to, to those teams, um, also articulating what we're not looking for. Um, and I think doing that through training, then also really making sure that we are partnering with organizations um, that are focused on diversity. And that's both on like a national level, a local level, but then also on a school level, right? So how are you leveraging the the student affinity groups um, if it's campus recruiting with regard to strategic programming and sponsorships? Are you partnering with local organizations? Um, If you're a technology firm or company, are you looking at um, STEM programs um, and looking at different organizations that might exist locally or national organizations, right, uh, like Nesby, to, to partner with and create, create relationships and build relationships. Um, I think, again, important to think, when was the last time you looked at your interview and selection data? Are your evaluation forms relevant to, um, you know, what you're really looking for? Are you assessing candidates based on core competencies? Have you trained interviewees on unconscious bias? And have you also considered interview calibrations as well? So I think that there's a lot of data to be collected. And then you start thinking about what are some of the non-traditional sources that exist? And there's a lot, right? There's, again, all of those sort of organizations that I mentioned. There's leveraging, if it's campus recruiting, affinity clubs on student affinity clubs on campus. But then there's also different 
companies and partners now and, and um, HRIS systems that are and ATS systems that help you really do blind resume reviews or there are different job boards that are specific to uh, candidates from, from underrepresented groups that you can leverage and partner with. So I think that there's a lot of things that you can do around there as sort of the initial casting a wider net and, and see and then really doing that as sort of a pilot to prove or disprove previous assumptions. And I think that that's really sort of uh, the first step. Other things that I think about also are around um, employer branding um, as well, right? And so representation matters. And so what stories and images are being amplified um, to your candidates from an employer branding perspective? So as you're recruiting and having conversations, as you're pulling together content for your careers website and brochures or you know, on social media, when you're telling employees stories, are those inclusive of all employee experiences? And are we amplifying all voices consciously? Um, so I think that that's really, 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 really important. And then I think that that also, you know, extends itself to that onboarding support and retention piece as well. You know, the work, this kind of work truly, truly has to be intentional, right? So we have to think about how are we developing and sponsoring um, Black employees and employees from other underrepresented groups? How have we done our research and developed unique programs or for their development? Or how have we employed a one-size-fits-all solution, right? We understand that those from underrepresented groups have distinct challenges, are coming to us with unique um, experiences that may vary from, you know, the, uh, the others, the masses. And so when we're developing programs, are we being intentional about it? Are we doing our research? And are we talking to our, our staff from underrepresented groups to see what their needs are and then building programs to really support that, their development and in retaining them? So it's really important to, to think about that and build that because those are the questions that um, are your diverse candidates are going to ask you about, right? So it's not enough to just put together programs to cast a brighter net, broader net, excuse me, and, and identify and find this, this, this great talent, but you also have to do the work internally to ensure that once they're there, you can support them as well. And you can, um, and you're training employees and interviewers to be able to speak to that, um, you know, effectively during their interactions with candidates and in interviews. What messages are, are we sending or perpetuating internally about what we value? What behaviors and even backgrounds and experiences or education are being recognized and rewarded? What are we, and what are we doing to combat that internally? And, and how can we start to really dig, dive deeper in that? Because those are the kind of things where we can start to creep in that sort of unconscious bias during the, the recruiting process. And so we have to do our research, um, identify and build programs to support um, diverse staff once they're with us, but then also ensure that we are consistently across the way, across the, the, the journey, communicating that to our staff, to our employees, to our hiring, our hiring teams, and ensuring that they are aware that they're fully um, bought in and can effectively communicate and speak to what we're doing um, and the changes that we're making in a genuine and transparent way to diverse candidates as well. That is a very thorough 
way that we in our organizations can approach this, you know, from the sourcing point, but it, it ties into the recruiting process and the workforce. It all kind of ties together. And I, I really did love what you said about kind of coming out with that hypothesis and testing it along the way, because that's what's going to keep you moving forward as you just start building those small programs or changes into each piece. So thank you so, so much. That's so helpful. It's not only going to be helpful for you, but it's also like you, the team, the DEI practitioners, the diversity recruiters who are focused on the day-to-day of this work, but it also supports, continuously supports that engagement from senior leaders around that business case, because what they care about is the data is disproving or proving hypotheses, looking at the ROI of different pilots um, and changes to policies and practices or, um, you know, uh, values. So I think that that not only helps you in your day-to-day, but it really continuously keeps the, the firm leadership, the decision makers engaged if we're constantly, you know, putting together hypotheses and then collecting data to disprove or prove and further tell that story um, so that we can continue to iterate and make changes along the way with the support of senior leadership. Thank you so much for packing so much into this short amount of time. Uh, If you could just before we sign off, give us, you know, one last final piece of advice for teams who are, you know, just trying to approach this and, and just at the beginning, it's an uncomfortable conversation. It's, it's, time though like the time is now what are your a quick piece of advice for those teams that are just jumping into this i'd say be intentional i had mentioned this earlier this work has to be very intentional it can't be by chance or when we have an opportunity or if there's time you have to be intentional about this work um you have to be transparent and honest in the work as well i think being um transparent about experiences personally what you've heard Um, from staff and employees and sharing that with leadership is really important. Um, I think do your research and don't be afraid to to fail, right? If this is something that's going to be new for the organization, if this is the first time, you know, we're looking to build DEI initiatives, not everything's going to work. But I think as long as you're collecting data along the way so that you understand why something that didn't work and you can maybe pivot or iterate, you can continue to do that. Um, with the support of your leaders. And then I think the last piece is be patient and remember what what the final goal is, right? Um, I think this kind of work could be emotionally taxing and it does not move as quickly as as we all would like for it to. Um, But again, stay relentless, stay committed, um, capture data along the way be intentional, don't be afraid to fail, and, and just continue continue to push forward um, and leverage your resources. There's so many of us now doing this work. Leverage your networks, connect with people, reach out, ask about ideas, what's worked, what didn't work, because this is a long game. And if, if we really want to see and build diverse, inclusive climates, workplace environments, we have to, to work together. We have to be intentional. And, and we have to continue continue to push forward. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to hit subscribe wherever you are to stay up to date with our new episodes. And in the meantime, head on over to the Workable blog at resources.workable.com and check out our vast resource library. And if you're looking for a better way to hire, just reach out. We'd love to help.